Welcome to another golden moment, everyone. My name is Spencer Galanka. We are here in the EIC's office late Sunday afternoon. Let the loss marinate a little bit. Um, Cal lost to Oregon State yesterday morning. Um, we have a lot to go over. A lot of stuff happened. I have my beautiful, lovely, sensual beat writers with me. Uh, you guys want to introduce yourselves? In you order of least to most sensual. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm Josh. No, I'm Emily. I'm oh, <laughs> yeah, I was first. I was first. I'm Shaylin. I don't, wanna, I don't want that title. I'm Emily. All right. Uh, we are here. Um, like I said, Cal lost to Oregon State 21-17. And, um, you know, it was what it was. Um, I think, you know, we'll get into the details, but um, I kind of don't really know where to start. I think, you know, the day was interesting. Um Fans kind of trickled in late. It was kind of a weird atmosphere for homecoming um, up in the press box. Great weather. Um, it ended up being a pretty good atmosphere, I think. Um, a little bit surprising. Um, I think just like the fans eased into the game, Cal did as well. So, um, Emily, let's start with you today. What were your thoughts? I have been thinking a lot about how you open the podcast after Arizona State with the, oh, what's that on the ground? Cal's hopes and dreams. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's exaggerating at the time. But now it, it feels way, way too accurate now. The game was just really just such a bummer. I think, again, the defense played their heart out. They played decently, I think. The offense still just could not get anything to happen. And it was a, a lot of it, I think, probably most of it, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, is, I think, due to coaching and bad calls. I'm actually a little bit more upset at, like, Cal fans, like you said, like, mm. how they came in really late. Yeah. Like, literally the players ran out of the tunnel to a almost empty stadium. Yeah, Like, yeah. on homecoming, parents' weekend, we couldn't <laughs> fill the stadium. Like, yeah. You know, I think it's just, like, a lot of things... Um, I'm not that mad at Cal fans. I mean, I they've lost to one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. Like, when you're not putting a good product on the field, and you can't really blame the fans. But I mean, they, they are fair weather. Just to get a little bit of a um, summary, quick summary before we get into the details. Cal came out slow. The offense came out slow. Jake Luton and the offense, um, or the Oregon State offense, had a really good game plan going into the game. They had, the, you know, a lot of play-action passes, a lot of, you know, rush variations, and they kind of... You know, they did really well against a really, really good Cal defense. Um, I don't think Weaver or anybody on the defensive side was expecting to play that poor of a game. Um, you know, tackling issues, coverage issues, they did really well against the zone defense for Cal. Um, Oregon State did. Um, and then Cal kind of tripled back in. I think there was a lot of bailing out from Oregon State penalties that happened. They had 13 on the night um, to Cal's two. And I think without those penalties, Cal wouldn't have gotten a lot of production, a lot of points scored. Greg Thomas missed his first field goal, hit the upright, um, definitely made his, or excuse me, he made his second just before the end of the first half. So uh, 14-3 into the second half, Monster made uh, a pretty good touchdown pass to take the lead. And then Luton and Artavis Pierce, oh, actually BJ Baylor was the man who uh, uh, ran it in to win the game for Oregon State. And it was just kind of, it was just kind of back and forth. Um, Oregon's low-key offense that's a bad word but Oregon's struggling defense was um you know not too talented which I think allowed Cal to get back in the game but I think 
um, against any other team than Oregon State, Cal would have been would would have been swallowed up pretty early. Josh, Shalen, if you guys wanted to start, let's start with the offense because that's what everybody's talking about. Yeah, honestly, from my perspective, not a whole lot surprised me. I mean, the defense played great. Offense, well, we saw it. Um, the only thing I think that kind of, if there's anything that shot me, it would be that Cal couldn't run the ball against Oregon State's front seven. Sharp was just overpowering the whole left side of the line, uh, the whole game. He had three sacks. So in terms of like the offensive production, I mean, this is, we've come to expect this. And I think if you've seen Cal over the past you know, year and a half, you know, it doesn't matter really to me if it's the, the, you know, the passing attack or the running attack which one's clicking. It just has to be one, not necessarily both. Because if you have one clicking, then you're going to force the defense to adapt to that, and then you can try and open up the other, or vice versa. But over the last eight, ten quarters that we've seen, you know, aside from probably the Arizona State drive to open up the second half, you haven't seen a whole lot of consistency from either side. And that basically is what results in what you saw, which is a lot of stagnant offensive drives. Um, and just the fact that Oregon State was able to punt nine times, commit 13 penalties, and still win this game is a testament to how poorly executed, whether it was, you know, you can call out the injuries, you can call out the backup quarterback, you can call out the offensive coordinator. Something's got to give. Something, someone's got to execute and, 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 you know, make some full-scale changes because uh, what you saw is what you got. So, to your point, I think it was the third quarter, and there's like five minutes left, and Marcel Dancy had seven carry attempts, or was it 17, and only one seven, yard. Seven so. carries, yeah, one yard for Dancy on the day. You know, you're able to rely on the run, Cal's done that for not just like the past few years. It spans beyond Wilcox and Sonny Dykes. I mean, the 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 history of Cal's running backs cannot be understated. Um, and you saw obviously in Week One against UC Davis when they just fed Chris Brown rep after rep after rep, um, and then against Washington when they were able to expose you know holes in the front seven and ride Marcel dance in the third quarter. It's extremely like ex- like confusing how Zach Moss was able to run for almost two hundred yards a week ago and. Like you said, Marcel Dancy and Chris Brown were largely ineffective unless Brown was in like a goal line situation um, in which he scored. So that was the only really thing that shocked me from an offensive perspective. We're talking about the offense. Um, yeah, this is just come, what we come to really expect from both Devon Monster and Spencer Brash at this point. I mean, I wasn't that surprised at the offense's lack of running production just because I think we've seen as a trend throughout the season and seasons past that Baldwin is not very good at adapting to the game. And after the first few drives, I mean, Cal just had so many plays of, like, two yards or negative two yards, like, something between those two numbers. And, like, the plays, I mean, who was the article you were reading by? Avi. Avi, CGB, Pacific Takes. You guys should take a look. Yeah, he was saying in his piece that um, all of Cal's offensive running plays are very slow to develop. And I was saying this throughout the whole game. A lot of Baldwin's runs like develop horizontally rather than like downfield vertically. So like when you have an offensive line that is like this riddled and beaten down, they're going to get beat. And if you like by the time, because Baldwin always has the running backs lined up next to the quarterback instead of behind him. I think there was like one or two times where the running back was behind Modster. When your offensive line is all these freshman stuff, they're going to get beat by the time the running back has the ball because it takes so long to hand it off. And then the running back has to build up steam because when you're next to him, you have to like get the handoff and then start running. Whereas if you're behind him, you're already running when you get the handoff. I mean, there were just so many times that Cal drives stopped because we tried to run three times and got three yards total. And like Baldwin just didn't adapt to that. We didn't really use much play action. And when we did, I mean, there wasn't that much time for Monster in the pocket. So, 
I mean, I don't. There's not really a way out right now besides better coaching. I mean, obviously everyone has to play better, but I I agree with you 100. That, that that's the only way we can go right now is to blame the coaching. I I can't understand running on nearly every first down. Without making an adjustment, I mean, Bo Baldwin is not known for that. Like, you you have to. Yeah. There's no other option. Like, what else are you seeing that's, like, going to tell you that whatever's happening, this mediocrity is going to change at some point? Oregon State's defense was really creative in that. I mean, they also only had one week to prepare versus Cal's two weeks. Well, Cal should have been, should not have been out, out coached in this game, and they were in every facet. You saw... The um, defensive front for Oregon State shifting and moving around. You saw line. You saw different blitz packages, like the whole nine. I don't understand why Cal wasn't trying to, you know, play to their strengths. You know, uh, what what am I trying to find? You know, like prioritize short passing, mix it up with some trick plays. I mean, there was a lot of like dink plat passes in the flat, and like a lot of like questionable like. I don't know, questionable calls that I just, it just wasn't making a whole lot of sense to me um, throughout yeah. the game. I mean, the, one of my favorite quotes is the, like, I don't know the exact wording, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the same thing every single week. I mean, you have, you have to take into account that we have Modster and not a lot of offensive line starters, but Baldwin, it's his job to be able to adapt to that. And if that means, you know, putting Modster in shotgun more and doing, shorter passes where he can get into a rhythm first or you know running downfield instead of horizontally he wasn't he just wasn't really changing up the game plan I mean we saw it a bit in the third quarter but like like Spencer said a lot of that those scoring drives were due to Oregon State penalties keeping the drive alive one thing I also want to note is the difference between I think Baldwin's offense as a whole is more oriented for a more mobile quarterback and obviously you saw that with Chase Garber's playing the first four and a half games, then Devon Monster taking over. Garbers is a more mobile quarterback, and especially with the bank of offensive line, you're going to need someone who can extend plays with their legs. Uh, Monster showed a little bit of that, but when your most explosive plays are the quarterback running for his life, um, that can only go so far. I guess my point with that is I'm interested to see if, in fact, Monster has an injury that will keep him out next week. Spencer Brash is a more athletic quarterback than Devon Monster. Now, Utah, we'll talk about the Utah defense in that matchup in a little bit, but... Spencer Bash is a former track athlete from Arizona. You didn't see it very often in that, you know, the far five minutes that he that he went in, which is obviously a tough situation. Um, he's a former track athlete. Did the um, last two drives of the game down by four. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. You yeah. know, it's, like, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can really look no, too much. I, exactly. So I was so not looking at that. A little bit about Brash's background. He's a more mobile quarterback, but he has the same arm strength as uh, Devon Monster, which he saw in that a couple of throws that he he made early on. Um, obviously, the interception that. Um, Rashad tip to to Grant was unfortunate, but in essence, you know, you, you it's at least something different. I mean, we talk about doing something different. Hey, you know, who knows? Like, what what are you yeah. gonna lose at this I point? I mean, yeah, he's, no matter who the quarterback is right now, there's not much to lose. But to your point, offense. we had two weeks to prepare for this. Yeah. Let's do something yeah, yeah. different against Oregon State. Let's yeah. not do it after we lose to Oregon yeah. State. Yeah. On, at on homecoming, I completely agree. scheduling a team that's you know not we knew wouldn't be that good, and then get you know embarrassed by them, like outplayed in every single facet of the game. And the stat sheet won't tell you that because the stat I, sheets are pretty every every stat is pretty even. Yeah, I think I think part of it was the game plan, at least like the past two weeks, was kind of resetting the season, going back to UC Davis, which was 
run the ball up the middle, but they were very slow developing. And Oregon State obviously game plan for that, and this is the result. It's it's, it's kind of embarrassing, to be yeah. honest. I, I mean, there's really no excuse for them to be as unprepared as they were, given the fact that nothing really changed over the two-week period that they had off. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the thing that I'm trying to think about in terms of differences between the beginning of the season and now, I mean, they're very subtle. McCallum Castles and Kakoa Crawford, obviously Chase Garbers, like, is that a huge, like, fall-off because of everything? I mean, do you place that on coaching um the players I mean, well, uh, we gotta place it on someone right yeah that's a big factor obviously injuries are always gonna be a big yeah. factor but baldwin has to be able to adapt no, absolutely who he yeah. has I, I like agree. like and i'll say it again like and I, I tweeted this yesterday these these coaches that are so like just in their own heads that they're not able to adapt and adjust to maximize output for the players that are available they just stick to their guns and just hope and pray that yeah. something else happens it it's it's so weird to me. I, I just I can't imagine how Wilcox feels that now that he has to take the brunt of this all this shit for hiring him and everything and keeping him for another season. You know, the injuries are an unfortunate situation. Spencer Brash is gonna is gonna struggle next week away at Utah. I mean it could happen. Um but I think I think the offense is absolutely lost. You know, and I you know, and Josh, you always bring up a good point that we we kinda got blinded by the wins <laughs> earlier in the season. And and you're right, but like I, I, but I but I also think Baldwin was making in-game adjustments. He was playing to the strengths of Chase Garbers and everybody else on the offense. But in this game, he wasn't. And it really doesn't make sense to me because of how poor the Oregon State defense is. The Oregon State defense was cutting down passing lanes. They played a really good game. They probably played their best game of the season as well. So let's, let's really. give them credit for that. And I kind of want to go toward, you know, I, before we go on to Utah, I kind of want to focus on the defense because... This was probably one of the worst defensive performances, I think, because they were just outcoached. Oregon State's offensive coordinator really maximized. Oh, my God. He did such a good job with, like, tight ends delaying their route running. No, Noah Tongiai made um, – so, Oregon State started – I don't mean to cut you off. Noah Tongiai, when you said the tight end, it kind of triggered me. Yeah. Noah Tongiai on the key third downs on both the Oregon scoring drives – there was a play drawn up for the big man yeah. in the flat that was like perfectly executed. Yeah, um, to beat the zone defense. Right, and then there was also the BJ Baylor third and third and ten draw play. Thought that was brilliantly executed. There was a bunch of misdirection plays. Uh, you know, some reverse trick plays. It yeah. was just like they were just. There was a lot of just like hitting the smallest gaps in Cal zones. Like Oregon State receivers would just run slants and right between the two zones. Luton would hit him, like hit whoever the receiver was on the slant. I mean, we saw Cam Bynum get beat by Hodgins on a slant for a touchdown. I don't know. They just did a really good job getting right. the ball out of Luton's hands fast because Cal's pass rush played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was gonna say if you if Cal has an average game on offense, you're not even talking about like those small defensive things. Oregon State had 13 drives and scored on three of them. Usually that does the job. Yeah, I don't. I think Cal's. Or I mean, Oregon State has a good offense. Like. Yeah. Objectively, I mean, their yeah. defense is terrible on paper coming yeah. into the game. That's what we all thought. I think Cal's defense again played well enough to win. They did definitely. It wasn't one of their best games, but they played well enough to it win. It was a good game. It's yeah. just yeah, the offense isn't helping them at all. No, I think uh, you know I, I I don't even know where to start with next week in Utah. We mentioned Brash is coming in. I mean, we weren't we weren't expecting Monster to go down, but we were kind of saying in the press box like, oh, we're do, definitely going to. Do you want to look for optimism for next week? Because I have a few points. I, I, if you, okay, and, if you go back to the history of Cal, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going back to this. I'm going to be very angry. I'm not going back to this. Show. I'm going back to last year only for like a second, and then the rest of this this year. Okay. Okay. So in the same like realm of like 
you kind of like it was up in the wind and like oh like we were riding this wave and and everybody got so excited yeah the thing happens every year where cal struggles in the middle portion of the year all right but in the same in the same light of that last year cal's second half of the season post the ucla loss was very solid the upset yeah. over usc the upset over washington nearly a huge win over washington state um, so if you want to look into the offense and that, you can look at that a little bit in terms of they just re- the offense didn't mar- didn't improve marginally after that big struggle, but the defense stepped up to that next level. And Tyler Huntley, Utah's quarterback, is hurt right now as well. Mm-hmm. So Jason Shelley, the sophomore, is probably going to get a look. Maybe Drew List gets a, gets a look. Um, I don't know exactly who Utah's going to start. My guess it's going to be Shelley if Huntley's unable to go. But in terms of just just knowing that Jason Shelley will be the quarterback instead of Tyler Huntley gives Cal. Like Cal's defense, something to like yeah. pounce on, if and that makes sense. I have no doubt that DeRuiter's gonna like rebound. Right. I mean, game. it'll probably be one of those like twenty to six games. You know, Cal's, Cal's defense is gonna let the game get out of hand, but I, the offense is going to struggle. We already I, talked about the side about how much Arizona State struggles against. And Utah. I think Moss is gonna have a field day against the defense. You think? I think. I think. Well, it depends on what happens in the passing game, guys. What do you think on the other side? I originally came to the season thinking. Utah was like a good chance of an upset win, but now I think there's no chance. To be honest, I mean Utah's defense is so good, man. Yeah, especially when I was writing the instant analysis yesterday and doing more research on Utah, they're really good mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And I don't know how their offense will be without Huntley, but um, yeah, their defense is up there with the nation's. Yeah. Oh, best. I think everyone's talking about Evan Weaver as the Pac-12 Defense Player of the Year. Bradley and Nay is right behind him, the defensive end for uh, for Utah. Yeah, no one's catching Weaver though. Speaking There's of... no way Weaver. I'm not saying I'm not saying Weaver's not the top. He's by he's he's separating himself, but the next man up, I'd say, is. There's Merlin Robertson in Arizona State. There's Troy Dye up or Troy Dye up at Oregon, and then there's Bradley Anay. Isn't Anay not having as good of a season as last year? Though he's up there, seven sacks. Just the pre- the game he had against Arizona State. This dude, oh, really? this dude is Cameron Good better. Did. Well, speaking of Evan Weaver, like a, a bright spot from the game yesterday against Oregon State. He Ray of Sunshine is a terrible way to describe Evan Weaver. Is really the opposite. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> Ray of Sunshine. But like you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, yeah, no. Please no. don't listen to this. Please, yeah, just like. He just was doing great. He had 21 tackles, which is uh, just one short of what he put up at Ole Miss, which is his career high. And, I mean, like, there are some tackles that were just, like, insane to watch. Like, that one sack of Luton where he just stood back up and, like, looked at him, like, while he was laying on the ground. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then that other one where um, Oregon State's receiver, uh, Champ Flemings, ran for, like, 24 yards. Mm-hmm. He was just juking people out left and right yeah just booking it and weaver came out of nowhere just like from the right and just trucked him yeah it was literally like watching like i like this image came in my head of like watching a butterfly on like those planet earth videos and then when the fish comes out and just eats it that's why i was like oh that was (laughs) that that was the original of my that was my lead for the story had cal one it was the whole like ben not break deal where Champ Flemings and he finds the open space. We're going to see the Dallas have a great play, and then bam. Yep. Goodbye. So. It was, yeah. So Weaver had a great game, but I think, like, this is also going back to what I was kind of saying at the very beginning. Like, watching him and Deontay Johnson and Jordan Duncan come to the post-game press conference and sit there and just, like, Weaver looked so sad, and Wilcox looked sad. Everybody yeah. was just, like... I mean, just, like, the sense of defeat in the room was, like, kind of overwhelming. And I just felt like, like, 
these players deserve better. Yeah. You know, like from Cal fans, I feel like it would probably help. I mean, if people came up and showed up to games. It was hilarious. Like showed, yeah. The uh, the bench Twitter account tweeted today, you know, thanks for coming out to the homecoming game. And none of the photos were from the bench because it was half full. Oh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Watching the, the bench try to do card tricks with the <laughs> empty student section. Yeah, it was, was pretty bad. Yeah, and it's just, like, I know that... I mean, I feel like for this game particularly, the poor play, like those three drives of poor play that Wilcox kept referencing, like, like I think I don't think that was as much on the players as it was I just agree. like bad play calling. And so, so I just I, feel bad. I I, I want to ask you a question, Josh. Yeah. I we we both watched the UCLA game last year. Do you put that up to to coaching errors or player UCLA errors? UCLA Cal, like UCLA Cal game? homecoming game last year. I think it was a mixture of both. I think the the decision was made. You know, we talked about how Baldwin has, like, sticks to philosophy and sticks with it. The decision was made two weeks prior. No more the system. We're going with Brandon Macklin as a quarterback. The UCLA game in the second half in particular confirmed that. And, and UCLA had a great game plan offensively. They rode Joshua Kelly down everybody's throats, um, knowing knowing that DTR, they, they, they ran a read option mm-hmm. offense, um, knowing that DTR had the tape to, to, to distract Cal's defensive ends who were playing without Cam Goodlatch at this time. Um, so to answer your question, coaching or the players, um, a mixture of both. I mean, McElwain had an awful game, um, mm. and obviously he's, he'll be the first to tell you like that can't happen, especially um, in that circumstance. Um, but at the same time, you, you have to look at the decision. When McElwain was playing as poorly as he did, um, especially when the game was only 13-7 early in the third quarter, or midway through the third quarter, um, looking at whether it was inserting Chase Garbage into the game or... Uh, you know, dialing something else up because I know Patrick Lord was having a tough game, so that it, it was just a tough like UCLA deserves a ton of credit for that game. So yeah. I, I can't say coaching in particular because the players just struggled. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of like a possibility where the coaches could have done something different, but you know, the, the point I'm trying to make is like I don't think there's like in the last few seasons there hasn't been such obvious of a case where the coaching is so blaringly like detrimental to the overall team's performance. Is is the kind wa- of the point the I'm Washington, trying to make. The Washington State game last year, uh, Shayla and I were watching that together in Tahoe. Um, that's the one that sticks out to me in terms of coaching. Game that Cal should have had in the bag, in my opinion. Tough circumstance to close out a game on the road. Um, but that was like the nail in the coffin in terms of McElwain's career as a quarterback. Uh, the faith in Bo Ball one as a whole. Um, obviously, the USC win the week after kind of made up for that, but that was very defensive-oriented as well. Um, my, my, my broader point to this whole thing is I, if I'm any other coach that's playing Cal for the rest of the season, I'm looking at this game and seeing what Oregon State did. And, you know, hopefully the Cal staff isn't as unprepared as they were going in. But I think this was like the blueprint for how to beat yeah. Cal. Yeah. And that's and that's frightening, I think, for the rest of the season. Yeah. You know, I honestly think the only thing Baldwin is doing better than last season. I mean, we always talk about how bad the offense was last season. It's our group chat name. <laughs> but um the only thing I think Baldwin's doing better than last season is throwing downfield a oh, little yeah. bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And the, the turnovers are down. That is a positive. The turnovers are down, but that's true. The yeah. points but are also McElwain, which is a terrible decision. The points, uh, the points, and that's all that matters. The points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is really all it boils down to. Do you guys have any predictions? I mean, I without without maybe giving a score prediction, I just I I, I really think, and you know, I was I was I was a pessimist going into Oregon. 
but I'm really a pessimist going into this week, especially with Brash starting. The the coaching staff hasn't shown me yet when the pressure is on their ability to adjust. And Utah is is not an easy place to go. I I have no faith anymore. I've lost all faith. I'm devoid of hope and faith. Last point I want to make is I don't have faith that Baldwin is can't compute like the fact oh he just can't get out of his own head. I think I think he's too wrapped up in his own system and just can't adjust. Yep. I have no faith in him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to save I, I mean, I mean, I mean the, the one thing the one thing and all you're gonna say, the one thing that could keep Kyle in this game is defensive core or something like that. That's probably the most Dude, I mean, that's eight, the most I think I think that this will be Cal's worst loss in terms of score differential this season. I can I can agree with that. I'm not gonna say they're out of it because yeah, I agree. my stand the defense is still the same. Yeah, true, I agree. But true. Also, well, we did mention Cameron Bynum. Um, it was a great game. You know, he game. he missed the tackle on the you know BJ uh, BJ Baylor, but he was trying to like I don't know, let the other you know let the, the other <laughs> let the other players on the defense know what the what the play was gonna be. I guess uh, he missed the tackle, but like. He held, uh, what's his name? Isaiah Hodgins to 36 yards, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. So defense hasn't changed. Secondary played point. pretty well. Continue, Shailen, sorry. Um, no, yeah, I was just saying, again, the offense is so predictable and so unpredictable at the same time because we know what the game plan is going to be, but we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We don't know if Kakoa Crawford's coming back. We don't know mm-hmm. who the offense starting offensive linemen are going to be. So, I mean, it'll probably just be the same as every other offensive showing for Cal. I mean, yeah. every other post Garber's offense showing. I mean, that's what sucks so much about the season. It's finally, like, we, I think we saw Bo Baldwin learn how to play with Chase Garber's. Like, finally, after, like, like so many 12 games. games. 12 yeah, games. 12 games or whatever. We saw him, like, how to play to Garber's strengths, and then just like that, it's gone. And he has no clue what Monster, like, how to play with Monster. I mean, injuries obviously yeah. aren't helping, but yeah, he needs to change, definitely change up the run game a lot. Before you go, Emily, do you, you want to hear a fact? I do. Um, Cal's four no with Chase Garbers and now one three without him. Hmm. Well, four, yeah, half half the game, but yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I think I think most people would agree that with Garbers against the whole or whole game against Arizona State, Cal probably yeah. won. I firmly stand by that. Um, okay, for my Utah prediction, I would like to instead just make one final plea to the football gods if you are listening if you are real football gods all i want literally all i want this entire year like for christmas for my birthday for hanukkah (laughs) just like literally please if you can find it in yourselves to just let cal win this one game i will be at this game my whole family will be at this game (laughs) and i just really want cal to win like that's all. I honestly objectively, think of that's course, not too much to ask. Oh yeah, completely objectively. Please, please. That is all, that's all I can say. All I want, ever. I will repent. I'll convert to more. No, I won't. No, <laughs> uh, no just kidding. You got me. I wouldn't. No. Um, but I just really, like, I just need this. <laughs> so, if you can find it in your holy deity cells, um, your make holiness. it happen. His holiness. Um, any any final thoughts, guys? Anything you want to get off your chest? No, Yogi Yogi Roth, the end of the game yesterday, said that Utah, like it was as good of a you know on both sides of the ball performance that he'd seen all season. Um, from who? From Utah. Um, so he he's very high on this whole idea that Oregon and Utah are going to meet in the Pac-12 championship I, okay. with one loss. 
and the winner has going to have a legitimate case to make this college football playoff. That was just his perspective. Yogi, I hope you're listening. <laughs> I listen to what you say often, and I often disagree because a lot of the you say is terrible. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, I, I think what Roth said, like, I think it's, it's, he's it's, so I, full of it. No, nah, I, I thought I thought it was like he has a network to sell because they're bottom tier. He needs I, to I'm ex- say I'm some excited, crazy I'm shit. I'm excited to see just like especially against like Cal Stevens would be a good test. Um, he's trying to be I'm Steve excited, A. Smith. I'm excited to see how. Hey, I'm not done, Josh. I'm talking about Yogi Roth, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Good. I mean, I'm excited to see how Utah's offense performs against the Cal defense. Um, if if they score, if they finally break that streak of opponents scoring more than 24 points. Um, you know, I'll be excited to see how Utah and Oregon stack up uh, come November 5th, for sure. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening this far into the podcast. I, you guys can follow us on at Daily Cal Sports on Twitter. Search Daily Cal Sports on Facebook. We're also there. Uh, DailyCal.org is our website. We got articles going up every dizzle. Yeah, and we'll see what happens next week. Hopefully Cal can uh, objectively pull out a win. And uh, <laughs> we will we'll see you guys and talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.